Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. I did forget one announcement. So if I can just share that. we It is our practice every year to have a special Christmas offering. And so this year... We are going to designate the Christmas offering to the building fund. So we have a building fund here at the hill for the work, the construction that has been done on this building in the house. And we have a building fund at Arcadia, uh, a roof repair that we've already done that uh, costs something in the region of just under 500,000 rand. And there is more work still to be done as we go forward. And so... If you would like to contribute to that Christmas offering, please designate which building fund, um, either the one at the Hillier or the one at Arcadia. Having said that, we are this morning going back to the book of Second Corinthians. And uh, having paused for a few weeks, I do want to consider this morning the passage Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. And there is a greater context, but I am going to read just the first ten verses uh, from that particular book, reading from verse 1, chapter 12. Paul says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go into visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. But when I am weak, then I am strong. Just so far, uh, the reading of God's word. Lord, we come with a sense of trepidation to your word, to have the privilege of you speaking to us, you directing our lives, you providing for us in the living of these lives. And Lord, even as we come to a passage this morning that really penetrates the struggles, the hardships, 
the insults, the weaknesses that all of us have and struggle with, that your spirit would encourage us, leading us to stronger faith and trust in you, we pray. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct, enable in preaching, enable in receiving and submitting this word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of months ago, I joined some men in the church on a hunting trip to the bushveld. Never been hunting before. Well, it was told me, suggested that since we would be stalking animals in a thorn-infested felt, it would be wise for me to wear shoes that had strong undersoles. Well, I didn't have hiking boots, so I thought, well, let me wear my everyday shoes. And uh, I thought that would do the trick. It was not long. I remember on the Saturday morning, in fact, Tim is listening to the sermon. Tim and I were walking. We were stalking, and uh, he was trying to teach me uh, how to hunt an animal. And it wasn't long, and a long, white, horrible thorn went straight through my shoe into my foot, and I felt it. It was painful. Fortunately, because the thorn was strong, I took my shoe off, and I was able to remove the thorn, get rid of the thorn, and I was left with a little bit of pain, but I soon forgot about the thorn in the excitement of chasing a warthog. It would have been very different, very different, a very different experience if the thorn had gone into my foot and broken off. Some of you maybe had that little Tato has just been in hospital because he had to have a thorn surgically removed because it wouldn't come out. I can only imagine the pain that he must have been going through until that was done. You see, the thorn that remains inside, the thorn that doesn't come out, is constantly hurting. It's constantly distracting. You can't think of anything else other than this thorn in your foot. It's constantly annoying. Why on earth did I step on that stupid thorn? Constantly all-consuming every minute, every moment of our consciousness. And so my point that I'm trying to illustrate in this introduction is that a physical thorn in the flesh is painful, it's annoying, it's distracting. But as we turn to this passage this morning, we are going to see that there are other, and I want to call them unwanted, painful intrusions. That's that's what a thorn does, isn't it? It's an unwanted, painful intrusion. They come in our lives. We we refer to them sometimes as a pain in the neck. I don't know if you know that phrase, a pain in the neck. Uh, Perhaps to use uh, the metaphor from our passage this morning, Paul uses the word, the phrase, a thorn in my flesh. This phrase, a thorn in the flesh, is used to describe a source of continual annoyance or trouble. 
It's synonymous with another phrase that I found in the Old Testament, a thorn in my side. I I hadn't heard that one before, but a thorn in my side, uh, describing a situation, again, of unwanted, painful intrusion amongst the people of God. And I'll read the passage to you. It's Numbers 33, verse 55. If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then those of them who you let remain shall be as bobs in your eyes. That's painful. And thorns in your sides, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. So back in this letter of Second Corinthians, we've read that Paul, throughout the letter, has been going through an extremely trying and difficult time. He's faced a lot of opposition from some super apostles. Uh, they've influenced the members of that particular church. There's been hardship. There's been visits. There've been letters. There've been difficulties. And so he certainly is someone, like many of us, I think, uh, having experienced painful uh, intrusions, unwanted painful intrusions, and experienced what can what he does describe in this passage as a thorn. In the flesh. So my first point this morning, what are these unwanted, painful intrusions? What, what are they in, in our lives, your life and, and, and my life? Uh, for Paul, no doubt, the specific immediate uh, struggle, a thorn was given me in the flesh, verse 7, and uh, men and women have debated in commentaries down through the years, what on earth could this have been? What is it that Paul is, is, is specifying? What is he identifying? We don't know. We can speculate. We can uh, listen to what some have said. Uh, some have said, well, it was maybe a, a physical affliction. Uh, perhaps uh, Paul had a particular illness. Some have even gone so far as to say Paul had poor eyesight. It was hard for him to see, hard for him uh, to find his way around. Others have argued that in this particular context, the thorn was reference to his enemies. Well, whatever it was, we do see further insight in this passage. If you ever look further down in the passage, these unwanted, painful intrusions, uh, Paul quotes in verse 9, my power, this is Jesus speaking, my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he says, uh, uh, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, plural. So there are other things, not just one thing. And then again in verse 10, that for the sake of Christ, I'm content with weaknesses. What are they? These unwanted, painful intrusions, uh, bringing about weakness, bringing about the reality of being worn down and worn out. And, And he does, he quotes them, he specifies, he says they are insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And I, I, as I thought about that, yes, that, that summarizes the experience, the difficult experiences that we have, the episodes of difficulty that we confront, that, that come along the path of our lives. And, and what they do is they rob us of our strength. They make us weak. They make us feel debilitated. They make us want to give up. In the previous chapter, if you ever have your Bible open, just have a look at uh, verse 23 down to verse 28. 
And Paul specifies some specific detail of what could fit into those four categories. And uh, he speaks here of imprisonments, countless beatings. Uh, f- uh, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes. This one, three times beaten with rods, one stone, three times shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift on the sea, frequent journeys in danger, rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, without food and uh, food and cold. And you, you get the idea. Th- those are some of his specific, particular difficulties and experiences, but they fit into those categories. But but for us, I wonder today, as we sit here this morning, and perhaps even those listening online unable to be here, what are these things that happen that bring about this weakness, these weaknesses, insults? Of course, in the course of our uh, relationships, in our engagement with people, there are at times people who use very clever ways of attacking. It can be attacking your faith. It can be attacking your character. It can be attacking your particular lifestyle, particular marriage or parenting uh, methods. Just, just words. Words that can be so piercing, that can be so debilitating, that can be so destructive. I think we experience that in the course of our lives. Hardships, circumstances that are forced upon us, that are outside of our control. Uh, The reality, I've called these bends in the road, something I learned from an old Puritan going along in life where everything seems so smooth and so perfect and so comfortable and suddenly... There's a bend in the road, something that comes upon you, something you did not plan, uh, and it's hard, it's, it's difficult. How about persecutions? It doesn't only happen in the context of the world where people have rejected the Lord Jesus and, and outlawed the Bible and the gospel, but even in our context in South Africa, perhaps even in Pretoria, There are those situations, probably more common than we would want to even uh, identify at work, working amongst people who are antagonistic against Jesus and against the gospel. And, And so these are things that happen, persecutions, acts of prejudice, exploitation, wounds, abuses, painful circumstances, and all because you're a believer. Or because you stand up as one who wants to serve God and honor his name. Then there are calamities. Uh, A word Paul uses, distresses, uh, difficulties or troubles. The idea is one of being weighed down, being crushed, being under pressure. Circumstances that tend to overcome you and bring about a difficult and stressful situation of tension. Well, do you experience any of that? I think you do. I do. These are the things that happen in the course of our lives unfolding. There are circumstances, there are situations, there are experiences, there are wounds that make us feel and make us look weak. 
It's probably anything you'd want to get rid of if you could. You can't. You see, if you were strong, you might want to turn the insult you received back in an attack against that person and afterwards admire your own cleverness and wit. If you were strong, you would take charge of your own fortune and turn these hardships into good things. Change your circumstances so that they align with your plan and your purpose and, and your will. If you were strong enough, you could turn back the persecutions uh, so quickly and so decisively that no one would mess with you again. And then, of course, if you were strong, you might use your resources to get out of the calamity or get out of the distress as fast as possible. The problem is you don't have the strength. Neither do I. We, we are people. We, we are fragile. We, we are mortal beings. We have limitations. And, and, and even if we had the strength, the Apostle Paul has already taught us and Jesus has taught us not to return evil for evil. Paul, the Apostle Paul in the previous letter, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 12, And we labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. There are weaknesses. There are these unwanted, painful intrusions that are beyond our control. We cannot remove them. Who is responsible? Our second point. It's one thing to know what they are. But who is responsible for these intrusions? Who brings them about? What is the source? Do they come from Satan? Do they come from God? Well, if you look at the passage and you take Paul's thorn in the flesh as an example in verse 1 to 4, Paul is describing amazing experiences of revelation of God's glory. Something unique, something unbelievable, something absolutely magnificent and glorious. Something that he was given. Uh, He was caught up into paradise and heard things that cannot be told. The temptation for Paul would have been to think that he was already rising above the ordinary hardships and troubles of everyday life. I mean, after all, what kind of experience uh, this was and has anybody else had this kind of experience? But verse 7 shows us what happened. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, A thorn was given me in the flesh. Now we're looking at the source. Where is it coming from? A messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Now that immediately should get you thinking. The thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, physical problems, some of enemies attacks, we don't know. It was a messenger from Satan. In other words, it came from Satan to bother him, to harass him, to disturb him, to to get in his way. And and so we need to recognize that, that some unwanted painful intrusions come from the devil. 
Satan afflicts the children of God and he does so through his demons. He does so through messengers, uh, people masquerading as angels of light. And, and his aim, his aim, and this is important to get in that phrase which should have puzzled you. His aim is destruction. He wants to destroy my faith. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants you to to die outside of Christ. He wants you to die without grace. He wants you to die without Christ. He wants you to be miserable. But Satan is not the only one at work here. God is at work. God is at work. The thorn is not just the work of, of Satan in destruction. It's the work of God to save Now, why do I say that? For two reasons. Paul describes the purpose of this thorn in terms of preventing pride. Now, that immediately should should stick out and stand out for you. Because the devil is not interested in preventing pride. He wants you to be proud. He wants me to be proud. And so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing great revelations, the thorn was given me a flesh messenger of Satan to arrest me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Satan's intention was to produce pride. God's intention is to produce humility. Satan will seek to instill pride in whatever we have done, whatever we've achieved, whatever we've experienced. Revelations in Paul's instance. But now here's the point that ought to encourage us as we look to this passage. God uses the hostile intentions of Satan for Paul's holiness. Isn't that an amazing thing? Something I don't think of myself often. Satan wanted to make Paul miserable. He wanted to turn him away from his faith. Wanted to turn him away from ministry. God wanted to make him humble. Turn him away from self-exaltation. And so God appointed a thorn. Satan. But used it for salvation. There's a second reason over here as well, while we know the thorn is God's work. It's not just Satan uh, that, that we see involved and, and, and God producing uh, humility rather than pride. But it, it is that when Paul prays, notice in verse 8, that God would take the thorn away, the Lord says, no, because my power is made perfect in weakness. So there's another purpose, there's another reason in what's happening to Paul. It's not ultimately Satan's destroying work, it's God's saving work, and it's God showing himself in this difficult circumstance. So who then is responsible for this painful intrusion, these painful intrusions? I highlighted in my notes here, it's an important. Sometimes Satan, always God. God either permits something, or God ordains something. Nothing happens outside of the scope of God's sovereignty. And that's why sovereignty is such a precious thing for the believer, because hardship and calamity, God uses. Satan can do nothing to the children of God that God has not permitted, as we saw in the life of Job, 
to bring about ultimately the good in the life of the believer. Which leads me to my third point. What is the purpose? What is the purpose then? And I want to elaborate on this of these unwanted, painful intrusions. Is there, is there a goal? Are they just for, for nothing? Is it just part of this broken world that we're living in? Why are these insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities and troubles and weaknesses, why, why are they evident and present in our lives? We ask ourselves the question, why can't I find a job why am I trapped in this this difficult uh, marriage? Or uh, why can't I have children? Or or why am I marginalised at work? And and why is everything seemingly a, a difficulty in my life? Well, Paul gives three answers. Number one: unwanted, painful intrusions should make you more dependent on God. If you've thought of your difficulties in that vein of thought. He says that Satan has a purpose to torment you, yes, to harass you, verse 7. But what does Paul do? He prays. He prays for relief. Three times, and is the three times a literal three times, or is three times an indication to us that they were repeated? I don't think he just prayed three times. I think he repeatedly prayed. He came back, like, like us when we prayed, Lord, will you, will you, will you, please, will you, will you? And, and sometimes it's weeks and sometimes it's months and sometimes it's years praying for relief. But what does that do? It drives us to our knees. It helps us understand that God is God and that we are his creatures. Pain is not an easy thing. Pain comes in different shapes and sizes. There's drought and unemployment and there's death and there's inflation and there's illness and there are politicians and there are politics and there's economy and, 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 and hardship and persecution. They ought to drive us to our knees. That's a purpose. Dependence on God. We know and must know, we must remember that God does not delight in our suffering. Satan does, but I love this verse, and again I'll quote it in the context of this sermon this morning, James 4 verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Don't run away from God. Resist the devil, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's number one. Well, secondly, unwanted painful intrusions should be used to make you more holy. Make you more like Jesus. God's purpose over and through Satan's irritation is Paul's humility. Now, I don't know how well you know the book of Second Corinthians, but do yourself a favor and read chapter 11. And you will notice over there there's a lot of debate going on about boasting. Uh, super apostles boasting. Paul responding, boasting, but in his boasting, he calls himself a fool. And uh, I, I started circling or underlining uh, the word or the confession or the profession that he's a fool because he's boasting. And, and he does so again and again. Uh, uh, let me pick it up in verse 17. What, what I'm saying uh, with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. So, so Paul struggled with this issue of pride. And because so much had happened to him, so many good things had been, uh, he'd experienced, of course, this, uh, uh, 
extraordinary supernatural experience of revelation, but even success in ministry. He goes on a little bit further. Whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. So, pride, boasting, is the issue of sanctification that God was addressing in the life of the apostle Paul. Paul was in danger of pride and self-exaltation, and God took steps to keep him humble. Here's a sentence to me. God sees humility as more important than comfort. I think we like comfort. I like comfort. God sees it differently. God will give you, God does give us mountaintop experiences in the third heaven. And then he'll bring you through anguish of the soul to sanctify you. To save us. To save us from thinking that we've risen above the need of total reliance on his grace. His purpose is humility. His purpose is lowliness and reliance on him. Number three. Another purpose, unwanted painful intrusions on opportunity to show the power of God. God's purpose in a hardship is to glorify the grace. Now, the two important concepts here, the grace and the power of his son. Verse 9 and 10, Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So, My aunt passed away some years ago and I had to take responsibility of cleaning up and getting rid of all her furniture. The one article that I struggled to get rid of, none of my children wanted it, and uh, but my sister-in-law took it. It was a showcase. Beautiful, massive showcase. And my aunt, over the years, she traveled a lot around the world, would keep all her precious Items, ornaments, trophies in a showcase. That's the kind of picture we need to see regarding our struggles. God's design is to make you and me a showcase of grace and of Jesus' power. You see, a response to our difficulties, a response to these unwanted, painful intrusions that cannot be attributed to you and your ability, this must be God. That's the point. This must be God. You see, not God doesn't necessarily always do things the way we want Him. doesn't always get rid of our weaknesses. But what I can tell you, he gives you strength to endure, to cope, to be here this morning as a believer. It's a miracle. It's hard for us to understand the will of God. I want to acknowledge that before you today. My own life experience is that. I don't always understand God's ways, especially when we are subjected to these Painful, unwanted intrusions. 
So what I have to do is I preach to myself. And I've said this before. I remind myself. I preach to myself. God is all wise. God is all wise. God knows better than you do. God knows better than I do. And when I don't get it. When I don't get it. And I don't get it many times. I tell myself. Is this not to show something of the grace of God? Is this not something to show the power of God at work in a life? You see, an escape from a weakness, anybody will rejoice. Coping in the midst of a weakness requires the hand and the help of God. So we have the example of people of faith in the past who trusted God. In some instances there was the escape from unwanted painful intrusion. And there were others who trusted God when there was no escape from their unwanted painful intrusions. Why? Because they were kept by the power of God, by the enabling grace, the active work of of, of the Spirit of God. Let me read Hebrews 11 verse 34. By faith, some escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, some were put to death by the sword. Verse 37. By faith, some sopped the mouths of lions. And by faith, others were sawn in two. By faith, some mighty in war. And by faith, others suffered chains and imprisonment. How how does that happen? It only happens as a result of the intervening power and grace of God. My grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. I will carry you through to the end of this life regardless of what happens to you. Sometimes I'm going to give you relief and comfort. Sometimes I'm going to give you strength to cope. Which leads me to my conclusion. And I want to repeat that statement. Sometimes God removes the thorn in the flesh. Sometimes he keeps us waiting. Sometimes he doesn't remove it. I think we must acknowledge that. But whatever the response from God is, and and, and this is a message, let's remind each other of it. Whatever God decides to do is for a good purpose that God has in mind. You see, the deepest need that you and I have in weakness and adversity, in times of these Unwanted, painful intrusions is not quick relief. It's not your greatest need. It's not my great. We think it is. You know what we need? We need the confidence. We need the faith to know that what is happening to us is part of this purpose of God. Orchestrating, moving, uh, designing, even as we've been reading... Excuse me, in the book of Genesis with Joseph. And ultimately, I've deliberately wanted to preach from the communion table this morning. Because I want us to see that ultimately, even in the midst of suffering, the suffering of Jesus, the purpose of God was loving the world. Loving the world. Sending Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus himself faced what we would call in his humanity an an unwanted, painful intrusion. Praying in Mark chapter 14, remove this cup from me. But his humble disposition was to submit to the will of the Father 
Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus experienced humiliation, rejection, ridicule, physical pain. I I thought it fits into the category of weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, and the full wrath of God-forsakenness. All that suffering, again, why? For grace to be given to those who believe. It was for the loving purpose of redeeming the undeserving sinner like me, like you. And and what did it do? It it led and, and, and leads to the demonstration of God's power in raising Jesus from the dead and giving spiritual life to individual people, men and women from every nation, tribe, and language, and, and into eternity. And I want to get back to my showcase. Each trophy of grace will point, well, yeah, it will point to God. In heaven, after your particular difficulties and struggles and hardships and calamities and insults, and and that which Christ began in you, he brings through to completion, and it's not going to be, wow, what a great guy, what a great lady. No, God, exalting God, each one present only because of God's love, only because of God's kindness, only because of God's compassion, His mercy, His grace. Do do you get the idea? This is about God who does not share His glory with another. In the showcase of heaven, recipients of this wonderful love, His power being made perfect in weakness, in the weaknesses of believers like you and me. And so, Lord, as we even conclude the message but continue to meet around this table this morning, very conscious of the struggle that we have in this world, Lord, physical, emotional, relational, all sorts of difficulties, illnesses, disappointments, Lord, grief, uh, so many things that happen to us that we just feel so debilitated, so weak, so abandoned. But I thank you today, Lord, for the truth that inasmuch as Satan is at work to destroy, Lord, you're always at work to save, to sanctify, and Lord, even to show yourself through these different calamities and hardships. And even as we consider this table, this supper, as we recall that which you described to your disciples, that we ought to remember Jesus. And I pray that we would do so, understanding the struggle that we have against self and self-exaltation and ego. And Lord, that we would follow in your steps as those who are willing to submit to that which you're doing in sanctifying us as people to be humble. Lord, to walk the road of lowliness and submission. And so we pray for each other. Life is difficult. It is hard. I think of uh, even people among us today. We, we prayed earlier. We pray, pray for Sylvia. She has tests and going through struggles. I want to pray for her today. Uh, be gracious to her. We remember Lana, uh, Sally, and, and Crawford, even as we've already prayed. And, and just lay them before you. Lena, may you, Lord, manifest in their lives your power in their weakness. Thank you for Tim as well again, and even as he listens, Lord, encourage him at this time.
But help us to focus now our thoughts on Jesus as we partake of the bread, as we partake of the cup, as we pray this, that he would be exalted, that he would be glorified in our midst. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.